Father, this morning, we have gathered around your word, your living word, your son. And we believe you are here with us. We know your spirit is in us. And I know your spirit is in me. And as we hear, I pray, Father, we'll hear Jesus. Because you, you said when the spirit comes, he will not speak about himself. He'll speak about you. He will not also speak of his own. He will speak what he hears. Speak to us today. We need to hear, Father. Because you alone have the words of life. Life. You came to give us life. And first and foremost, we receive that life by hearing. So give us hearing ears. A heart that believes will open the eyes of our understanding. That we may know what is the hope of our calling in Christ Jesus. Help us to put aside everything else. Everything else. Keep our eyes fixed on you. That you may, even as you speak, we hear. Surrender ourselves, spirit, soul, and body at your feet, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We turn to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Since God is telling to all generations through Joshua, to Joshua, through Joshua, because God's word is forever settled in the heavens, forever settled in the heavens. So when he's speaking to Joshua, remember he's speaking to all of us too. This is the core text. It's interesting, some of the books of the Bible, not all books of the Bible. Joshua 1.8 is the text on which the entire 28 chapters are built on. We have 28 chapters in the book of Joshua. The entire narrative is built on this one verse. Okay. 24 chapters of what God did in the book of Acts is built on Acts 1.8. You shall receive when the Holy Spirit comes. You shall receive power. And then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then you will see. Chapter 2, he comes. Witness in Jerusalem, Judea, later Philip in Samaria. By the time Acts 24 ends, there is Paul sitting in his own rented house under house arrest, preaching the word of God, teaching without any restraint to all who came to listen. He's reached the practically the end of the Roman Empire or the capital of the Roman Empire. We have 12 chapters of the book of Daniel about things that would happen. And it's all centered on one verse. 
Daniel 1.8. Okay, simple. Okay, I'm trying a little math. It's rubbing on me from Pastor Vijay. But here God says three things, making it very simple. Think on it day and night. Speak according to what God has spoken. Do according to what God has spoken. Think, speak, do. Simple. Okay, when you read, meditate upon the book of the law, okay, don't, don't get uh, perturbed. It basically means like when we live in the world, when we live, we live in the world, and the kingdom of God, all is based on laws, right? Every field. You want to prosper in any area, even in this world, business, okay, any area, there are laws that govern. There are laws that govern. Okay, and that laws will work. Okay, laws. Business world doesn't work on random. Okay, last month, from number one, Elon Musk crashed down 200 billion euros lost, right? He just did a few things. He's back to number two. He's back to number two. In less than a month, his assets have gone up over 150 billion dollars. Okay. Because you are looking at the principles of how the marketplace works. There are laws in which marketplace works. Okay. So that's basically God is saying. It is not random. He says everything that God has when he's speaking, he's setting things into motion and there are laws on which this works. So he says meditate upon it day and night. Okay. Like where is Deepika? Deepika, Deepika. I saw there. Yeah, there is Deepika. We have a lawyer in our midst. You have an entire Indian penal code. Okay. So what does a lawyer basically do? He's not learning the law by heart. He's meditating upon the law. So when a case comes to him, he immediately knows which law to apply. That's how he gets a crook out. And most crooks get out if you have a good lawyer. That's why there is another day called a big day left where no crook will get out. Because he will not judge by what he hears or what he sees. So you need to realize that is basically what it means. Okay, Meditate upon the word of God and understand. That's what God, when God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does it mean? Because the kingdom of God rules over the affairs of men. Affairs of men. So if you understand how the kingdom of God works and now that we are saved and the kingdom of God is within us. If we understand how the kingdom of God works, he says, in this world, you can overcome. Okay? You can overcome. That's what it basically means. Meditating upon the word, his word, day and night. What to do, what not to do. The principles behind. Because otherwise, if you see it only has the law, the Bible is very clear. The letter of the law kills. But the spirit gives life. It gives life. So the whole purpose of this is that they would believe God. Keep saying over and over and over in every meeting, the entire purpose of preaching the word of God is that you may have faith. Not in the preacher, but about whom he's preaching. Preaching. Okay. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. But now, the word of God, we understand. 
is Jesus Christ. That you would have faith in Christ. Our repentance is towards God. But our faith is in Christ. Understand this difference very clearly in the new covenant. Acts 20.21. I didn't give you. I'm just refreshing your memory. Okay. Because God is the one who set everything in motion through his son and his spirit. Okay. Then everything violation is against God. So we turn in repentance towards God. But if you want salvation, restoration, revival, you name it, everything. It is all in Christ. All in Christ. Everything God has done for mankind, he has done in his son, Jesus Christ. So we turn faith toward our Lord, Jesus Christ. So get this picture very, very clearly. That's why this word, faith, is so important in the word of God. Because there is only one way God will allow us to live. He says, my righteous shall live by faith. Righteous shall live by faith. Over and over again, three times in the New Covenant, he says. You know the verses very well. You know all the references? Don't look at me, I will ask you. Because this happens to be a classroom. <laughs> okay? Romans 1.17, he says, My righteous shall live by faith. My just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, he says, My just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, he says, my just shall live by faith. He says, you know what? If you have been justified by your faith in Christ Jesus, that is how. We cannot be justified in any other way. We repent and turn to Jesus. We believe in what Jesus has done and God justifies us. We are justified by faith. That is Romans 5.1. And we have now peace with God. Now that we are justified, we are called just by God. The chief justice of the highest court has declared you just. After that, it doesn't matter who says anything. He's declared us just. Now he says that you have become declared just. There is only one way you are allowed to live. You are allowed to live only by faith. Okay, In the old covenant, faith came from hearing and hearing the word of God. Which is true, new covenant too. But in the new covenant, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So the writer of Hebrews will say, look unto Jesus. Who is he? The author. And all the way till he completes the finisher of our faith. You don't have to worry about him. He is faithful to complete what he has begun. But we have to be faithful to listen what he says. It is not random, okay? Oh, he will finish. Don't be very sure. Read history in the Bible and you will see many unfinished lives. It's because in our free will, we have to choose to obey God. So in 1 John 5, 19, this is what scripture says. The whole, we know that we are of God. That's the first thing you need to know. Do you know you are of God? Do you know you are of God? Second thing you need to know in the world where he has left us, he didn't take us out the day we got saved. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What does that mean the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one? That is the way they think. That is the way they speak. That is the way they do. The world has its own way of thinking. 
speaking and doing. That's how the devil controls. Devil doesn't come and possess everybody. He doesn't have to. But he controls the whole world through our thinking. How we think and how we speak and how we do. These three things anybody controls, that person controls you. So both operates the same way. But we are of God. But we also know the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We are of God, then God gives us this promise or makes this statement in 1 John 5, 4 that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. How does he overcome the world? He overcomes because of he changes the way he thinks, he speaks and he does. And what is that? It is our fate. It is our fate. That is why fate for me personally is the most important aspect of a believer's life. Faith that works through love. But without faith you cannot even receive that love. Everything of God has to be received. And the receiving point is faith. It is through faith we receive everything from God. So if you come to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, without faith it is impossible to please. So the simple question we need to ask first is, this morning and then every morning, who is that you want to please? Faith is about pleasing God. Sight is about pleasing self or others. So faith is not going to come unless you are very clear. Who do you choose to please? Who is that you want to please? Because faith is connected with pleasing him. In the revival meeting, I asked the children, rewrite that sentence with using starting with, or rewrite it using possible. Instead of impossible, write possible. It is possible to please God only by faith. It is possible. But that is the only way possible. The question is, who do you want to please? Because people can be divided into three categories. Those who want to please themselves. Those who want to please others. We call them people pleasers. And then there is this minority called those who want to please God. Want to please God. So the first thing we have to start each day is asking this question. Who do I want to please? Who do you want to please? Self, others, or God. Then only we need to move further. Because if you don't get this right, you can't move further in, in, in faith. You may use the principles of faith to get things out of God, but to please self. And then after some time, once that has been achieved, your faith life has stopped and you, you fall away. You have to allow him to complete what he has begun. That is why this is so important that it is impossible to please him. Who do you want to please? Who do you want to please? That should be the center focus of faith. Lord, I want to please you. Because that attitude changes the way you read your Bible and the way you hear. It's very difficult for the devil to deceive you if your heart is focused on pleasing God. Otherwise, he can tell you. The devil spoke to Jesus. He quoted scripture to Jesus. But he could not deceive Jesus. Because Jesus came with one intention. I want to please my father. 
Behold, it is written in the volume of the book, I have come to do one thing. I want to please you. I want to do your will. When that is this thing over there, that is the center of your life, deception becomes very difficult. Because the devil cannot touch yourself. The devil cannot touch you to please somebody else foremost because your core being is that I want to please God. I want to please God. So every morning, you know, and you know what? These things need to be confessed. That's why the Bible is talking about meditate. Do not let it depart. This has to be our confession every morning. Lord, another day in the land of the living. Thank you for life. It's a gift. Thank you for life. But Lord, help me to please you. I want to please you today. One day at a time. Take it only. Don't live tomorrow today. You will neither live tomorrow nor today. Sufficient unto the day other troubles thereof. Therefore, do not be anxious or worry about tomorrow. But one day. We are only promised daily bread. We only promise daily bread. That daily bread, that strength, that sustenance should be focused on pleasing God. And I'm telling you, unlike men, God is very easy to please. God is not a difficult person to please. You know, to please God, all you need is faith. And he's a very forgiving father. If you are doing something by faith and you don't do it exactly like your boss wanted, he's okay. All he's looking for is faith. When the Son of Man comes every time, what he looks for, even this morning, he's looking for faith. Is there faith? He's looking for faith. It is a life. The faith we are talking about, like remember earlier I said, faith comes from hearing. Meaning, there are all kinds of faith. Everybody lives by faith. There is nobody who does not live by faith. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the faith that comes from God. Because our God is a God of faith. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? All the people around, they don't believe. Does that make your faith without effect? Now, this is the faith of God. This is the faith of God. So what you actually receive by hearing and when you believe, what you are receiving is the faith of God. This is not the faith of man. This is the faith of God because our God is the God of faith. We saw how he brought everything into being because he believes in what he says. So he's a God of faith. He's a God of faith. What shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Verse 4. God forbid, yet let God be true, every man a liar. You need to get this into your hearts because in life, often in many places, you will have to stand alone. Joseph stood alone. At the end of his life, he proved every man a liar and God was true. But when he was going through it, it looked he was the liar and every man was true. But at the end, God is proved true and every man was a liar. Daniel, in, when he makes those decisions, right? He's making it in faith. And at the end of the story, 12 chapters later, Daniel proves every man is a liar. And God is true. That's why we need to get these things. I keep telling. 
that yes when we read joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 you will make your way prosperous and successful and all everybody runs into that because these are things which the flesh immediately latches on are prosperous and success but in the new covenant be very very careful how you judge prosperity and success in the in the kingdom of god okay be very careful how you how you judge any work because no work should be judged now there's a day when works are going to be judged in his time the most unsuccessful man was a man called moses but they sing the song of moses in heaven in his time the most unsuccessful man was jesus they sing the song of the lamb in heaven okay be very very careful how you judge success very very careful after preaching for 120 years noah could only convince seven people to get into the ark what a ministry after walking with god for 300 years enoch couldn't even convince his wife to go with him the bible says god was pleased with him and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him do you know hebrews 11:6 is actually talking about enoch okay so be very very careful though we don't bring the worldly sight principles and apply it to the word of god it will not work so be very very careful so the bible says our god is a god of faith god of faith and romans 3:27 says where is boasting then it is excluded by what law or works no but by the law of faith so when we are talking about faith faith also is not random if god is the god of faith then god has the law of faith has the law of faith so what is the law of faith that's why through hearing we need to understand how does faith work how does faith work and jesus is the prime example of a man who came in the god who came in the flesh and walked by faith we were sharing i think last week we were talking about jesus walking in the flesh human form you wouldn't see anything that he faced he could not handle by faith whether it was sickness death demon possession storms seas lack everything was handled by by faith including paying taxes everything was handled by faith so he show came to show us a way to live he came to show us a way to live because what are the things that we will face in life we will not face what jesus faced but we will face many similar things and god says faith is victory faith is victory so when we are hearing the word of god don't be what i say a very good old covenant believer the whole purpose is that faith arises so how does faith come because faith has to come faith comes primarily by hearing hearing what the word of god hearing the you can be relaxed because lunch is only a jump and a hop away there is no commuting time one hour we have plenty of time landlord is not going to come and kick us out second service 
plenty of time. And those who, those whose children study here, you can leave your children behind also if you want. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen carefully. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at this. Word of God. It comes by hearing the word of God. Now we go to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible through. So the word of God is incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. God is using language which we understand. I mean, if you have done any bit of farming, at least in a flower pot. Incorruptible seed. Do you know what it means? The nature of this seed is, it is in, it cannot fail. That's what it means. It cannot be corrupted. It's incorruptible. All the other seeds are corruptible. But there is only one incorruptible seed, that is the word of God. So the word of God in itself has an inherent power that it cannot fail. It's incorruptible. That's how we are born again and that's how faith comes. That's how faith comes. But you and I can cause it not to have effect in our lives. I can cause this incorruptible seed fail in my life, though in itself it cannot fail, I can cause it to fail in my life because I did not follow the law of faith. The law of faith. That's why whenever there is an air crash, what are the first, what is the first thing the investigators are looking for? The black box. Why? Why did it crash? It was not supposed to crash. Yes, there's a law of gravity and there's a law of aerodynamics. It was flying very well. It shouldn't be crashing. What law did it break for it to crash? Where the law of gravity took over? What happened to this? So they want to hear the last conversation of the pilots, which is in the black box. The black box is usually made in such a way that even fire doesn't destroy it. So they will take to the lab. They will listen and they will realize, okay, this is what happened. Okay. Because this is the nature of faith. Because faith is generated by the incorruptible seed, the word of God. But it can cause to fail in me if I don't follow the law of faith. If you go to Mark chapter 4 and verse 3, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And verse 14, the sower sows the word of God. This morning I am the sower. What am I sowing? What am I sowing? The word of God. If you go to 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. Or does he say it altogether for our sake? For our sakes, no doubt. It is written that he who plows should plow in hope. And he who, no, no, the other one. Where he gives the seed to the sower. Okay. It is God who gives the seed to the sower. God doesn't give the seed. Because in your, tomorrow, in your classrooms and colleges and all, God doesn't give the seed for the sower. It is corruptible seed. There is no guarantee in any of those things. But the word of God comes with an airtight guarantee. It cannot fail because it's incorruptible seed. But the sower who sows the seed 
Who gives him the seed? God. Even Jesus said very clearly, I do not speak on my own. I speak what I hear. And I do what I saw my father do. He says, I'm teaching you a lifestyle. A life style. He says, even I on my own do not speak on my own. I speak what I hear. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he too will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears. So he's teaching something. He says, you know what? You have to hear what God is saying. Because the seed for the sower, the sower is sowing the word of God. But if I have to sow the word of God, first, I need the word of God. Yeah, you got it? For as the rain comes down, uh, okay, that it, you know, it's actually, it's not I say, it's there in Corinthians. Okay, yeah, maybe second Corinthians 19, okay. Uh, I get it. Okay, yeah. Okay, it's it's in Corinthians. I know this one, but this is more complicated. Yeah. Okay, now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the poor food. He can give seed to me, but only he can make it bread for you. I cannot make it bread for you. I cannot make it. He gives us daily bread. But he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. Everything is done by him. But for that you need one necessary ingredient which is called faith. Which is faith. Once that seed comes, let me tell you, it is incorruptible. First you have to believe the nature of the seed. It is incorruptible. Jesus will say it is forever settled in the heavens. Heaven and earth will pass away. See, when you approach the Bible, you have to approach the Bible by what God has said. God has said the nature of the word that you are hearing. Because if you don't believe in the nature of the seed, then the seed will not work for you. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11, God set these laws and 8.22. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit, the tree yields fruit, according to its so he set a law over there. If you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. You put a mango seed, you get a mango. If you plant the incorruptible word of God, what you receive is an incorruptible life. Each seed will produce according to its own kind. So you know what God did? God birthed us with his incorruptible word. So that it will produce an incorruptible life. Undefeatable life. That's why faith is victory. Faith, it's, faith is not just something that you receive by hearing. It becomes a lifestyle. Becomes a lifestyle. It cannot be defeated by this world. Because the world does not have the power to defeat it. Because it, it actually receives the very life of God. If you go to 8.22, again another principle about it. While earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. When will this cease? In Revelation 21.1. Till then, this will continue. So there is a law is written. There is a time of seed time and there is a time for harvest. In between, there are seasons and there are days. So God plants every time you hear his incorruptible word, his seed. There are seasons. Sorrow may come in the night. 
Don't quit on that incorruptible seed. Hang in there by faith because joy will come in the morning. There are seasons decided. Lot of people give up before the season. There are days ordained by God. There are seasons ordained by God. There is a season called winter and summer and in between there is autumn and spring. There are seasons ordained. So God is using language which we understand even about his word. Because you will be seeing little children sitting over there and you will be wondering. You see, you cannot cause them to become spiritual giants. There are seasons ordained. As soon as he got the two dreams, he thought he was ready. He was not ready. There was a season he had to go through before Joseph would be ready. There would be a season. David is anointed. But David is not anointed to become king right now. He has to go through his season. Because if you don't go through the season, like King Saul, three years later, you have crashed. Because you did not go through the law of God. There's a law of seed time and harvest. In between, hang in there. Continue to follow the law of faith. Continue to follow the law of faith. So if you come there to Second Peter 1.4, it's written that, you know, by which we have been given us exceedingly great, precious. We'll look at this later. What happens? So that you may be partakers of what? Divine nature. It's his own life. We partake of. And what does it happens? We escape the corruption that is in the world. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We are called to live in this world till we die. But he says, as you partake of his. So Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was living the life of his father. His father's life. He escaped the divine corruption that was in the world. And every hurdle he faced, he overcame it by faith. And he's telling us this is the pattern. This is what the seed does. What does the seed does? If you follow the law of faith, it partakes of God's nature. We do not become God, but we can live divine lives on earth. A life that overcomes. A life in spite of all the troubles. Okay, yes. Stress will come from Outside, that's how I, when I, every mail I write to my people around the world, I say, stressed but blessed. The things that are happening, stressed, yes, but still blessed. Okay. Stress is there. In this world, there will be stress. <clears throat> but that is sight. And then there is faith. So James 5, 7, look how chronologically God puts it across using an illustration. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. What does the farmer have? He has to have patience. He plants the seed and he waits for its season. He knows there are seasons. He knows if he plants it on Monday, he cannot harvest on Tuesday. So God tells us, you know what? There are principles I have set into motion. These are laws right there from the beginning. And I've told you you are born again by the incorruptible seed of God. But he says, there are seasons. Know your seasons. From a long time ago, I told about Joseph, the Pharaoh's dreams. Those were not ordinary dreams. Those were prophetic dreams. He saw seven cows, lean cows, and he saw seven fat cows. The lean cows came and ate the fat cows. But the fat cows came first. And then the lean cows came. Okay? So God is saying there are seasons in life. Right now you are all young. Most of you are young. You are the fat cows. 
Eat well. We are not talking about food. Eat well. Meditate upon the word of God now. Because you have the capacity, you have the time, you have the energy, you have it all. Then the lean years will come. The lean years will come. When the lean years will come, you will be, you will realize after the, the lean cows ate the fat cows, they still remained lean. They didn't become fat. So what is he talking about? He's talking about season. So he gave an interpretation. Pharaoh, this is what it means. You're going to have good years, seven years. During those good years, store, build storehouses and store. And when the lean years come, there is no rain, there is nothing, the ground is dry, all these things. You'll be able to bring out what you have stored. So when you are young, last night and I was saying the day I got saved, the next few weeks, you know what, I, th- I thank God still. I only had a New Testament. I did not have an Old Testament. Old Testament I read much later. I just read and read the read the Gospels, the Gospels. I tell always read the first four Gospels over and over again. Why? That is the life of God. The life of Jesus lived in flesh. Then after that are the epistles. This is the teachings for the new man. Then you go to the Old Testament, you will see how the Spirit of Christ lived through certain people. Okay. Then came the years, the difficult years. The difficult years will come. But when those difficult years have come, if you have made good use of your season, because you realize, if you read this, all you will understand. Okay. When the day of evil comes, what are we called to do? Stand. Just do that. Stand. The question is, what did you do during those years that when the day of, not if, when, it will come into everybody's life because we live in a world which is under the sway of the wicked one. When the day of evil comes, will you be able to stand? You will be able to stand if you made use of your seasons. So make use of those seasons, God says. These seasons will come in life and you should make use of those seasons. And the word of God is put across as the seed. So God says, be patient. Be patient. In Hebrews 6, 12, again he uses that. That you do not become sluggish. No, Somebody's prayer request was there. It was basically saying, help me, I'm being coming sluggish. I'm getting tired. I'm getting weary. No, do not become sluggish, but imitate those. Whom do you imitate? Who through faith and patience. Faith and patience inherit the promises. And then, doesn't stop there with a the farming narrative. Go to Second Timothy 2.6. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. The hardworking farmer. So we are talking about a faith principle. Jacob had 12 sons. There was one son of faith. He planted the seed, heard the seed, planted the seed. He went patiently through the season. And when exaltation came, he is the one who partakes of it first. His other brothers have to wait another 15 years before they will partake of his goodness. Are you getting it? So God says there is a time. But he says you also need, I'm a just God. 
If you are a hardworking farmer in the realm of the kingdom of God, in the realm of faith, he says, I promise you, I promise you, you will be the first to partake of the crops. You'll be the first. So all these illustrations are there. All these illustrations are there and God is trying to encourage us. So Paul also uses the same thing. First Corinthians 3, he says, I planted. But the farmer doesn't plant and go. You know what? I will plant this Sunday. Next Sunday, if you notice the order in which the pulpit goes, Pastor Vijay will come and will water. If we have noticed his messages, he always waters what I have planted. If you know order, if you listen carefully, you will understand. I plant, he will water. I plant, he waters. But only God can give increase. We do not have the capacity to bring forth increase. Increase is completely in God's hands. But God gave. But He is the God of increase. God is the God of increase. To increase, what is He looking at is their faith. Because about children of Israel, He says, they also heard the gospel like we heard, but it was of no use because they did not mix it with so he says, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, okay, so you can put it, neither is Pastor James who plants, nor Pastor Vijay who waters is anything, which is true. We do not have the capacity, no man of God ever has the capacity to bring increase. Increase is in God's hands. Who gives increase, but God who gives Increase. And the next verse, I think I gave you one more. Yeah, two more words. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's field. So you realize something that is in Genesis 1. It continues. These, these laws have been established. So if you're hearing about faith, faith is not random. It's not random. You cannot just get faith. There are laws of faith established by God. That is the law by which we live. We live by faith. And we need to each time you hear and says, how does these things work? Because God can't be random. Jesus was not living a random life. It's a very clear life. And it always begins with hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you come to Mark 4 and verse 14, the sower sows the word. And the next verse 20, I think I gave. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 34, some 60, some 100. If you look at 14 verse 15, the word is very clear. The seed is the word of God, but the field is not the mind. The field is not the mind. The field is the heart. The problem is you're all mentally well-equipped. But God is not looking at your mind. God is looking at your heart. Because as long as our mind is not renewed, it's not renewed. Go to Romans 8-7. I'll show you. 8-7. Because the carnal mind is in enmity against God. For it is not subject to what? What is the law of God? It's the law of faith. By what law? The law of faith. The carnal mind 
is enmity to the law of faith. Because faith is very scary for the carnal mind. Because the carnal mind is always trying to figure what, where, why, how. But faith, it doesn't work like that. Faith is not like exact science. Though it's more scientific. One day we will understand. So the carnal mind is in opposition to the law of God or the law of faith. So our heart. And you see the four kinds of soil there. The seed was the same. And even in the good category of soil, they took him in three categories. So there was no issue with the seed. The sower was the same. The seed was the same. What was different was the soil. In the good category, one heart produced 30-fold, another heart produced 60-fold, another heart produced 100-fold. Though the seed is the incorruptible word of God, what comes out is not the same. So it's not your mind. It's your heart. If you go to Romans chapter 10, explain beautifully. I like verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. What is that? That is the word of faith which we preach. We are preaching the word of faith. We are not talking of the word of faith movement, but this is where they took their entire terminology from. But actually the word that is to be preached has to be the word of faith which generates faith in you. The word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. That is the key. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and understand with your mind. Understand with your mind. In every exam, children fail because they don't understand. And every time they will come and tell the teacher, I did not understand. But with God, there is no such problem. You don't have to understand. You have to believe. See, how easy God's school is. There is no grading like this. Because honestly, when we were teachers, this is a constant thing. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Okay. But God says, <laughs> that's not a problem here. He says, I didn't ask you whether you understood. I asked you, did you believe? Why? If you go to verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. It is with the heart one believes. And with the mouth, confession. This is Talking about salvation, but this is the general principle, the first principle, or like Newton's first law. This is God's first law of faith. You believe in your heart, and what you believe is first evidence, is your words. Is your words. Now we will get into the nitty gritties. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Remember, we heard that earlier. This is actually how it works. Our belief, what we believe, is what affects our thinking. We don't realize it. 
our entire thinking we will say you know as a man thinketh so is he which is true but how does he think what affects his thinking what affects his thinking is what you believe see you can say as many times on a sunday morning that is irrelevant the question is when you come to god do you believe he is good i'm not saying do you think he is good it is irrelevant the question is do you really believe he is good because it will show his praise that's what we sang in any situation why is paul and silas praising in the prison after getting beaten up and stripped because they believe he is good we can say as many times as we want that god is good all the time all the time god is good but when crisis comes do you believe he is good because what you believe either about god or man will actually shape your thinking shape your thinking if you believe god is good it will change your entire thinking and then it will start affecting what you say and how you live your life out so then it doesn't matter if you believe he is good even when you don't understand you're willing to surrender because you know he is good look at matthew 20 remember the parable about the talents there were three servants he called gave one five another three another one the third fellow went and hid it why did he hide it 25 24 but to his lord answered and said him you wicked 24 24 Thing is twenty four. Take you twenty six. Yeah. He had received one talent. Came and said, "Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Do you know what affected his thinking and therefore his actions? Because in his heart he believed God was a hard man. That shaped his thinking and shaped his." actions and then when the man comes he he sees him as a hard man and god says if that's what you think about me that's what i will be to you i'll be a hard man to you okay how what we believe about god will affect our thinking if you believe god is good then when situations come you will be able to look by faith okay this is happening this is happening this is happening but the god who is in control is good he is good he is not bad this is fundamental thing which you need this is what james is telling when you are going through trials and testings and all be of exceedingly great joy why should it be of exceedingly great joy are trials good are temptations good no because god is never tempted by evil that is why you can rejoice why can i rejoice when i am being tested and going through trials and temptations because i know he is not the author of it that my god is always good and therefore i can still rejoice because once i have learned to handle it by faith and patience have to work in it will be over because god is good and he is not tempted by evil so the bible says when any man is tempted don't say you are tempted of god the same word is translated as trials and testings too so fundamentally you have to look at who is god When you come to God he is 
What do you think about God? Look at Ruth 1.16. Two widows on the same road. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. This is what she believed shaped her entire thinking and conversation. She believed Naomi's God was good. She is also a widow, childless, destitute widow. Now read 20 and 21. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? Both were widows, both were childless. The difference was, Ruth saw Naomi's God as good. Naomi saw her God as hard. Change their thinking, change their conversation, and change their outcome. So God is not able to redeem Naomi because Ruth clung to Naomi. He redeemed her through Ruth. This is fundamental. Please understand. Your thinking is shaped by what you believe. And most of the issues in marriages are caused with what you believe. If you believe, I'm talking to men and women sitting here. If you believe, if you are a woman sitting here, a married woman sitting here, if you, in your heart, not what you think and say, if you in your heart you believe, my husband doesn't love me, it will shape your thinking and your actions. After that, he can stand on his head and dance for you also. It is not going to change you because fundamentally at your core, you believe my husband doesn't love me. The same thing works on the other way. The man believes. My wife is a rebel. She never listens to me. These are statements people just randomly shoot. Poor lady must be trying everything in the home. But he shoots because at the core he believes she's a rebel. And his entire thinking is shaped by that. You need to realize this principle works in every relationship. In the church, if you believe in your heart, pastor doesn't like me. That's it. That's it. Then after that, it doesn't matter what pastor does. Because you believe in your heart and you have confessed to yourself, pastor doesn't like me. See, this is the law of faith. You need to realize this is the law of faith. So changing your thinking is not going to work. You have to change your belief structure. What is that you believe? So any man who comes to God must believe that he is. This is who he is. You see, Jonah's beliefs were very strong. He knew God was good. God was gracious. God was merciful. Therefore, he said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. See, what you believed about God was true. But the problem was God was showering his love on a nation he hated. We have to get this right because we don't realize so many of our issues are got to do with... Because if you don't change the core, that is, you believe in your heart. What you believe about God is what you will think about God. So the man 
was given a talent by God or by whoever it is in the parable. He took and hid it. Why did he hide it? Why didn't he multiply it? Why didn't he do whatever he could have done with that life? Because he thought God is not good. So it is not what you say God is good all the time. All the, because that's the truth. It is irrelevant whether you believe it or not. It is true. But the question is, it will work for you if you believe it. So that's the first law of faith. What is that you believe? What is that you believe? Pause for a second and ask, what is that you believe? Don't look through the lens of your experience. That's what Naomi looked at. But Ruth did not look through the lens of her experience. She didn't. She said, your God is my God. Examine your faith. Right? That's what Paul will tell finally to the church in Corinth. Examine your faith. The first law of faith is what do you believe about God? It will change everything. What you actually believe about God. Because Jesus comes and says all things are possible to him who believes. So what you believe about God should be true. It's not what you think. Because your thinking is first and foremost affected by what you believe. Second thing, Hebrews 11 and verse 2. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is. God is. Faith is. But before faith can come, hope has to come. To make it simple, we use the word desire. If you have something, you're not desiring it, you already have it. Right? That's all the men who quoted their current wives. Before they became wives, they had this desire and they went, they gave the nine yards to get their heart's desire. And once they got their heart's desire, they conveniently ignored them. That is a usual complaint. Okay, but the problem is the woman does not understand. I heard it from one great man of God. I don't know, his watchman knew or something. He said, no. When the prodigal son came back, there was celebration. What was the celebration? The celebration was somebody who was lost, was found. Now you can't continue that celebration all your life. Then you will keep on getting lost. (laughs) Now the celebration or the joy should change to having. So often women have these issues. They want to be quoted. But I'm already married. I got you. Now your joy should be that you have me. One was courtship. One is marriage. But once you are married, oh no, you never court. Now it is a joy of having you. Then it is a joy of chasing you. <laughs> if we, honestly, if you understand these little, little things, okay, you will understand. Imagine. Just think about the story of the parable, the prodigal son. Every day there is feasting. Why are feasting? My son was lost, he's been found. My son was lost. It's been one month, he's been found. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Okay. If, 
Because the problem is, if your belief structure is wrong, it will affect everything else. So you cannot have faith now unless you know what you're hoping for. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Everybody is looking around. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? The simple question to ask is, there are two kinds of hope we have. Right? I like the, uh, some of the prayer requests we, we read, you know, praying for the pregnant moms and also for the ones who want to become moms. Yeah, pregnant. They were hoping for and faith is now they are pregnant. There are, there are still who are hoping to get pregnant. So the simple question to ask is, what are you hoping for? There are two kinds of hope. One is temporal. One is eternal. Into almost anything that you bring into life as a child of God, everything has two aspects. We talked illustration about marriage, right? About marriage. So there is a man and there is a woman, a husband and a wife. You have hope. And therefore you have faith. But that is temporal. Now, how you work this out is how it will be reflected there because there is an eternal marriage. Then, common thing, we all work. There is a temporal work we do here and then there is something eternal called they shall serve him forever and ever. So the one who took the temporal faithfully in eternity, God says, take charge of ten cities. So there is a temporal hope and an eternal hope. Into everything. Everything that is a temporal and eternal hope. So hope has two things. Temporal and eternal. You can have hope and faith for the temporal. That's what happened when Jesus was walking. People came, took their temporal hope, exercised faith, took it and they vanished. Very few people among them followed him. Because their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened to see that in this temporal thing which he did, there is something eternal and we are going to pursue. Now that the temporal has been achieved, that's why God calls this as signs. You have touched the temporal, but the temporal is just a sign. You know what? Now I am going to follow the eternal. Because the worst thing to happen is that be a believer and live like a pagan. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 6. If you read, Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? It's common. We all have to eat, drink and wear. Everybody has to. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He says, if you are only exercising your faith because your hope is in the temporal, he says, you are no better than a Gentile. Though you are my child, you are living like a pagan. What to eat, what to wear, what to drink. It's all connected with the temporal things of life. Where to work. Whom to marry? Where all these things are temporal. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He says, you know what? You got an eternal father. He knows you need all these things. So therefore, what should you do? Verse 3, 33. Seek first the eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. He says, you take care of the, if you seek the eternal, God will start taking out the temporal. 
you will have, you will start clarity about the temporal. Lord, where should I work? Lord, I want this job. No. When you seek the eternal, he will tell you what is the work you actually need. Because your work here will be connected with your rewards there. Don't do a work here which will be of no profit there. Because you have to learn through the process. If you look at the eternal, he says the temporal will start taking meaning. And what? His righteousness. The problem is, he didn't say and righteousness. He said his righteousness. There is only one way you can receive his righteousness. It's by faith. There is a righteousness of that comes of God. A righteousness that is by faith and faith alone. He says, seek these two things. And you know what? The temporal will automatically start coming. It's not that you have ignored the temporal, but because you knew how to balance. I think today's reading was the physical and the spiritual. Right? It's not that we ignore. Actually, you become more effective in the temporal. Let me ask this question. Simple examples in the Bible. Jacob had 12 sons. Alright? All 12 lived in the temporal. All lived in the temporal. They worked in the temporal. One boy was connected to the eternal. Who was useful? Only that one boy. If you look at the end of the story, only one man was actually useful both in the temporal and the eternal. So when you are seeking the eternal, you are not missing on the temporal. Actually, you become more effective. Because you are not fulfilling your purpose. You are fulfilling an eternal purpose of God in the temporal. That's simply what God is talking about here. Unless we get what faith means and how we work out this law of faith, you know what? We will just... Are you saved? Of course you are saved. But are we going anywhere? And Paul will put it across powerfully in 2 Corinthians and 4.18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, the simple problem is, how do you look at things that are not seen? How do you look at things that are not seen? And how do you not look at things that are seen? Simple. You're all looking at me. You're all listening to me. But even as you're looking at me and listening to me deep inside, you must be asking the question, Lord, what are you telling me? That is the answer. So you're not looking at me. You're not looking. In that context, you're not looking at me. You're looking at the unseen. Say, Lord, what are you? Because each one situation is different. Everybody's life is different. But it's one word, it is incorruptible. One Father, He already knows what you need. So God says, you know what? Though you are looking at the unseen, don't see it. Look at the unseen. Listen to what my spirit is trying to tell you inside. Listen to. And it doesn't matter then who the preacher actually is. As long as he's preaching from the word of God. Hannah did not even sound her words. She only was moving her lips. And Ellie said, are you drunk? She said, no, out of the agony of my soul, I was pouring out honey. And he just looked and said, okay, let the Lord answer whatever your request. And he went. That's it. That's all he said. She received it. She knew God had heard. And God had answered. So she was not looking at the scene. Though the priest was looking at the scene and he misunderstood the woman is drunk before afternoon. He looked at the scene. She looked at the unseen and received his word by faith and went and got pregnant and got the son. 
So don't look at which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 comes the writer, hammer. For if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. So you can have hope in Christ in this life. You need healing. That's hope in Christ. By his stripes we were healed. If you do all this, you shall be successful and prosperous. God offers all these things in the old covenant to them. That's why they're willing to fight. You'll have houses which you didn't build wells. You did not have cattle and flocks and cities and everything. So, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Not miserable. Pitiable meaning, God is saying, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. I'm putting before you something that is forever and ever. And you are going after that is for a short period. So, faith is connected to hope. So, you have to always ask, what am I hoping for? In whatever you are doing, you should ask this question. What am I hoping for? Am I hoping for something that is only temporal? Or even I am being faithful in the temporal, I am hoping for something that is eternal. Because your hope will define your faith. Hope will define your faith. Because you can have faith for the temporal. Of course you can have faith for the temporal. Because your hope is in the temporal. It's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. But God says, you are the most pitiable. You're the most pitiable. Because you are taking something that is eternal and then wasting it on a temporal. You have no eye on the, sorry, on the eternal. You know, there is a revival that is taking place at Ashbury. You know that, right? We are all excited about it because, simply because this is what we've been praying for, Lord, sweep across the U.S. And especially among the young ones. It's happening in a university. In a university. It started just, it's, you see, some of these universities, this university, few young people came for a night prayer, and for the past, now it's 12 days, they still haven't left the auditorium. Yeah. And it's crowd, now people are coming from all over US, all over the world people are coming, because the children are just praying and worshipping God. So we believe, let this be the beginning of a revival. Everybody who is spiritual is excited because Lord, this is what we're looking for, looking for, looking for, looking for. But you will see so many forwards in your groups and in YouTube and all. Don't read them. Good. These are all people who will cut and paste one Paul Washer message and one John MacArthur message saying these revivals are all emotionalism and all this thing. But they are quoting him out of context, putting Ashbury there. These are the people who will come and pour cold water or anything that God is trying to do. So don't listen and don't for before you forward something, be very careful what you are reading. Because young people are emotional. I remember when I was young, when I put my hand up for ministry, I was emotional. But it became a reality later. You're all even see, Bible says he is a high priest, he sympathizes with our feelings, our infirmities, he understands. So how do you expect to touch uh, young people? They are all lost children, lost in their homes, lost in porn, lost in drugs, lost with fentanyl. And the God, Spirit of God is moving over them. 
So don't look at it and pray, Lord, let it continue. Let it be like now two or three other campuses are also starting. People are coming there. I have, we have first-hand report because one of my nephews went there, flew down to see how it is because he wanted to be touched. Because you need to realize, why are people flying? Because people are hungry. Hungry. These are not kids who don't have anything. These are kids who have everything and are empty. Are empty. So we need to look at, if you are only looking at the temporal, you will miss out on the eternal. You will miss out on the eternal. There are things which God is doing in every generation which will be recorded in heaven. Every generation there is a movement of God. And you need to say, Lord, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of your move in my generation. No, that's what is written about David, right? David served God's purpose in his generation and rested with his fathers. You serve your generation. But if you have served God by faith in your generation, that service will not stop. Because you did it by faith. Faith, just, you have your Bibles with you? <laughs> People didn't come with their Bibles. Caught you by surprise, right? <laughs> Went to war without a sword. Shameless. Okay, Sammy or uh, whoever will put it on the screen. Just for a second, okay? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'll just show you. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see that? For by it, elders obtained a good testimony. Do you want to obtain a good testimony? Is there anybody here who wants a good testimony before God? The Bible says they obtained a good testimony by faith. Even the elders could obtain only a good testimony or a good report from God by faith. By faith we understand. What do we understand? That the unseen was made by the unseen. The seen is temporal. The unseen is eternal. By faith we so faith brings understanding. Sight brings misunderstanding. <laughs> faith, you understand. Go to the next one. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Did you see that? Lord, I want to offer a more excellent sacrifice. God says, by faith, you can. It's not one. Four things are mentioned there. Look over there. Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Whose witness? God's witness, not man's witness. God's witness. One, he was righteous. Second, God testifying of his gifts. First, he offered a better sacrifice. Second, he obtained a witness that he was righteous. Third, God testified of his gifts. Remember? There were so many people in the treasury coming and putting money and one poor widow came and put her two mites and God gave witness to her gift. It is different from man saying you are a giver and God saying he is a giver. You, you read these verses, you will understand the power of what faith can do. Because faith is approaching God. Faith touches the heart of God. And look at the fourth thing that is written about him. Through it, through what? Through faith. Through faith. Because the nature of faith is incorruptible. It cannot die. 
So the man is dead. His faith lives. Though he is dead, he still speaks. And I'm speaking here 6,000 years later about Abel. Because though the man is dead, he still speaks. Because faith is of God. It is born of the incorruptible seed of God. It cannot die. So God says, when you live in the temporal, can you partake of the eternal? Can you partake of the eternal? Understand how it works. This is the way it works. When did Abel do this? 6,000 years ago. How long has he been dead? Six He's still speaking. Why? The act that he did was birthed by faith. And faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. And the word of God is an incorruptible seed. And if it germinates, it cannot die. Because its nature is that. It cannot die. If it is so, because everybody wants to establish something. No, God says, that is my desire for you also. Why don't you establish it by faith? It will be there forever and ever. As your testimony. For eternity. Because these very desires God has put into us, we turn it into the temporal and lose it. But God says, you can put it into the eternal and never lose it. So when you read the Gospels, when you read the Bible, I'm telling you, read it with eyes of faith and a heart that believes. Core, always believe God is good. God is Good. Now turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Suddenly again. For we walk by faith and then not. What is written there? So, there are two ways you can walk. You can walk by faith or not and or walk by sight. God says you cannot walk by sight. Every decision we made before we became believers and usually after we became believers also was by sight. And it never pleased God. So, simple example I gave the other churches so I shall tell you also. Because when we bring that people understand. Okay, In this life, in this world if you want to look, if you want to look there is a basic thing which we need, whichever format you use, which is called this. You need what you say in Telugu Dabbu. Can as much you can. That's why Dabbu is put in the Dabba. What is this? Just a piece of paper. If you read it, it is written, I promise to pay the bearer the sum of 100 rupees, governor, of the reserve bank. It's a promise. It is limited to 100. With Within 100 rupees, you can buy anything you desire. If it is available. That's what it means. Within this capacity of 100 rupees, anything that costs 100 rupees and which is available, you can buy. That is what money is. The first thing about money, you have to ask this question. What is money? Because whenever you talk money, everybody's attention you get. So what is money? Money is basically purchasing power. Second, what does it do? It does many things. First thing, it does it. It brings security. Now, let us forget 
there is no lunch. Let us forget there is there is no lunch, okay? But you have 100 rupees. So you know, even if you are hungry, that hunger has been taken by the security of 100 rupees. Whatever is within 100 rupees has secured your hunger. In any area of life, what does money do? It brings first and foremost security. Therefore, the more money you have, more secure you are. When COVID-19 lockdown began, billionaires never panicked. They, before the lockdown came, they flew into islands in their private jets and enjoyed one and a half years vacation. They had no issues with COVID at all because they had already planned out where they would go. Why? Because they had plenty of money. Therefore, it brought great security. Third, it can buy every necessity or luxury within 100 rupees. Next thing, money brings you a name and fame. Please don't forget this. Without money, you don't get fame and name. Money has to be attached to something. Like we were using the example, right? Until last week, nobody talked about women's cricket. Suddenly, women's cricket is in BBC also. Why? Because an Indian player was sold for the highest amount. So how she's known? Because money is attached to her. Some sports are very well known because it's big money. There are tens and thousands and thousands of footballers. But everybody to which money is attached, you know. There are sports, there are some sports mothers will come early in the morning and drop their children, pick them up, do all. Some sports they will say, don't go there. Because there is no money. (laughs) Parents choose their careers for their children based on Dabu. Name and fame. See, title can be the same, but does not mean fame is the same. Doctor of medicine. What medicine? Veterinary medicine. <laughs> because there's no money attached to it. You need to realize what money does. Actually, what money does. Why is Lawn is so famous? Because there is money. That's one of the highest paid sports. Football. Everything is there. Is money. Then, among many things, The final for today is not the message, but illustration. (laughs) It makes your life easy and you can make others' life easy. If you have a heart. Why I use this? Because it's easy to understand illustrations. Because even when you come to money or anything, please remember, giving doesn't make you a giver. Giving doesn't make you a giver. Bible doesn't say God loves a cheerful. God loves cheerful giving. Doesn't say. He says God loves a cheerful giver. God is a giver. Therefore, He gives. You can give without being a giver. You can give without being a giver. Okay. Understand how these things work. So first, I need to know what money is. Second, I need to know what does it do. Third question, then immediately, how do I make money? 
Right? Third question. Fourth question. How do I spend money? Go to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 13. A certain man had two sons. Two sons. One son was more vocal, more bold. He had lots of hopes or desire. Problem, no double. Any desire you want to fulfill in the temporal, what do you usually need? You need money. He knew money, what money is. He knew the purchasing power of money. He knew where to get it. Easiest way, go to daddy. He went to his father and said, Father, give me a portion of goods that falls in me. So he divided it to them, his livelihood. Next. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there, he did not know how to spend money. He knew what money was. He knew his heart's desire could be received, what money could actually do. And third, he knew how to easily get it. Go ask daddy, give me my portion. But after that, he did not learn how to spend it. And he, word is used, wasted. You wasted. So let's put money aside. You see, let's put money aside. Let's go to the kingdom of God where the applicable currency is called faith. What is faith? What does faith do? How do I get faith? How do I get more faith? How do I exercise or spend faith? Think about rich people. Like Adani lost $110 billion. But he's not panicking. He's still doing all kind of things to stabilize the market. And his shares after that hasn't gone down. He's going up. Why? You see, the rich man's worry is not our worry. Most of the things that affect us in the temporal, it doesn't even bother him. Whether it comes or not comes, it doesn't bother, it doesn't cross his mind. Why? Because he has, he has money. So his money is what for him? Victory. Money itself is victory for him. But there are many things money can't do for him. When it comes to eternal things, money is ineffective. It can't buy salvation. It can maybe prolong the day of death, but it cannot stop it. It cannot change anything on the other side. But the Bible says faith is victory. If in the temporal, money is victory. God says, we who live in this world, faith is Victory. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the first thing you have to go to hope and see what are you hoping for. Its substance is faith. It has got tremendous purchasing power. Luke 17 verse 6. So the Lord said if you have faith as a mustard seed. You can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. It would obey you. 
Let me ask you this question. Let us say Ambani or Adani, two A batteries on which India runs. One battery lost its charge, but okay. Imagine, okay, Ambani went to a restaurant, but he forgot his wallet. And he tells her, oh, I forgot my ladder. What is the manager going to do? Call the police? He'll say, sir, your word is enough. Your word is enough. Even if you don't pay it, it's okay, sir. It is great honor for us that you came and ate here. (laughs) Honestly, they do that. They do that. Would you please come and eat? It is free. Will you please come so that we can advertise you came and ate here? You think Sachin came to, flew down from Mumbai to paradise to eat biryani. You think they charged him? They advertised him. Do you know the power of faith? Power of faith. When the world is looking for men of money, the kingdom of God is looking for men and women of faith. God said, look for one man, one man, one man, one man, one man, one man of faith. Whole thing is falling apart for one man who will stand in the gap. The man who stands or the woman who stands is a man of faith. What the world is looking for, what the kingdom is looking for, because this is the purchasing or the power of faith. And Jesus is saying, that's what faith can do. That's what faith can do. What does it do? Mark 9, 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, that's not difficult, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And people who don't have money plan a vacation. They go through every site. They're comparing rates. When a person who has money, he knows all things are possible. He's deciding, last time went to Maldives, boring. This time, let me. He's not worried about anything because he realized, with the amount of money I have, within my desires, all things are possible. God comes here and says, if you believe, within the circle of my will for you, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. What is his word believe? It is faith. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. That is why God says faith is victory. Faith is victory. You have to read the Hebrews chapter 11 over and over again. What simple people. They were all very simple people. Go to um, James chapter 2 and verse 5. 2.5. James 2.5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world? He cannot choose you to be rich in faith until you become poor. Poor in what? In sight. That's why the first blessing that is pronounced is, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God has chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. It is very difficult to become poor. Because when you are trying to become rich, how do you become poor? 
But God has chosen those who are poor in this world to become rich in faith. The riches of faith. So then the question should be, how do I get this faith? If this is what faith is, this is what faith can do, how do I get this faith? First and foremost, faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Who is the word of God? Go to Acts chapter 8 verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. But who is the word of God? Word of God is Christ. He preached Christ to them. Preach Christ to them. So the simple question is, every time when you read the Bible or hear the word of God, do you hear and receive Christ? He preached Christ to them. And immediately when he preached Christ, things started happening over there. What is happening in this pagan city? And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And verse 8, there was great joy in that. What did he preach? What followed? These things will follow those who believe. And then verse 14, what did the apostles hear? And when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the It's not written the same way. He preached Christ. They received the word of God. Meaning you cannot receive the word of God unless you have received Christ. Just because you have heard the word of God and written down the word of God and memorized the word of God does not mean that you have received the person of Christ that was hidden in that word. He preached Christ. Because the end result of a faith is Christ is manifested. This is who Christ is. This is what Paul is talking about. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Why? Because you receive the word of God. By faith. He preached Christ. This is the result of what happened. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto, who is he? Jesus is the author of our faith. And every time Jesus is the one who continues that road, he is the only one who can finish it. It's a person. The person of Jesus Christ, which is revealed through. But this is why God says, you cannot walk by faith and sight. My just shall walk by faith and not sight. Problem, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and sight serves mammon, faith serves God. You cannot walk both way. It's not possible. They are two different masters. That is the issue. We are trying to mix sight and faith and fall in between. You cannot serve this both. These are two different masters. You cannot serve God and money. This is what scientists are. More money, more secure you become. More faith, more secure. These are two different lifestyles. This is what God is telling Joshua. He's telling, this is where he stands. Joshua, I am with you. There are wall cities. They got all the money in the land. They got armed soldiers. They got everything the world has to offer. You have me. 
You have me. You have me. So you need to ask ourselves, what is faith? What does faith do? How do I get faith? How do I get more faith? Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And love of every one of you all abounds. Two things, only one thing matters. What is that? Faith working through love. He says, you know what, what a church. They were a very poor church, afflicted church. Because of persecution, all Gentile believers. But he says, you know what, your faith is growing exceedingly. So your faith can grow exceedingly. The more you meditate, the more you hear, the more you speak, the more you do, according to the law of faith, your faith is growing. Your faith is growing. Your faith has to grow. Please remember, it's not a mental thing. Yes, the mind is being renewed. But more than that, is your heart yours. Your core faith in God increasing. Because God is a very, God is like a gym trainer. He doesn't, when you first day you go, he doesn't put a 200 kilo weight on you. He doesn't. Little by little by little, the trainer increases. But if you are not interested, because he is a father, he will leave you at your first or second weight because if you put more, you will buckle under it. If people with money are the ones who make big deals and big investments, where does their courage come from? It comes from their money. Right? So God is looking for people of faith. God has got big investments in humanity, big burdens to put on humanity. So he is looking for people of faith. So God says, would you increase your faith? There are ways to increase your faith. And the primary way is by hearing and hearing and hearing and speaking and doing. Hear, speak, do, hear, speak, do, hear, speak, do. Faith comes from hearing. And when you open your mouth and speak, don't contradict what God has spoken. You can say the fact. You can say the fact. That's a fact. But what you believe and you speak you are not denying facts, but you are expressing faith. Expressing faith. Paul is lying in prison. He's in chains when he writes a letter to Philip. He's in prison. In a dungeon. He probably is getting one meal a day or once in two days. But that's not what he says. He says, I'm in chains. But I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. That's not what he says. He says, the peace of God is guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm able to rejoice here. He says, my God shall supply all your needs. You see, where is he saying all these things from? That is faith speaking. And he says, the Lord is near. That's why I'm gentle. My gentleness is evident because the Lord is near. You see, every statement he makes in the book of Philippians is not denying reality. He begins with reality. He says, I'm in chains. And I wish everything about me for you except these chains. But when he makes his confessions, what he makes is what is true. And 2,000 years later, when people read the book of Philippians, they are still strengthened because they realize this is true. And therefore, when he's lying in prison, his faith is his victory. Caesar can't touch him. Though Caesar has changed him, he has no power to touch his soul. That's what God is talking about. <clears throat> because what happens is, we go through a reality, 
We see that reality. We open our mouth and express only that reality. Only that reality. But when we hear from God, when we hear, you see, that's what I, that's why I say, you, you have to start with this premise in the new covenant. Are you saved? Or are you trying to get saved? Are you fighting for victory? Or are you beginning from victory? Are you trying to get blessings or are you already blessed? Are you fighting for healing or are you already healed? In the new covenant, everything is already done. And what you believe matters. That is why God is saying you have to labor to enter into that position of rest. That's a mercy. How do you enter that process? It is done. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have been blessed. Everything that is needed for this life, that is for life and godliness, has already been given. It's not he will give you. By his stripes I was healed. There is nothing in the future tense which God is doing. It's already done. So that is the rest from which you enter. So your reality is that that is not there. But your truth by faith which you are living and expressing is that I have seen the unseen. What is the unseen? By faith I have seen. God has spoken. I have believed. And that's what I speak. That's what I speak. Even if it doesn't become your functional reality on earth one day, it will actually become your eternal reality. Okay, I was sick, I believed, I confessed, I didn't get healed, and one day I died. But because you believed and confessed, the body you get will be better than the other bodies because you says, God says, you walked by what I said. Your body is going to be more glorious than the others because you are my testimony. You refuse to deny my truth by your reality. There's an eternity that is coming. That is for ever and ever. That is for ever and ever. So this is what God is talking about. What is faith? How do I get faith? What can faith do? And then another thing I will tell you. Jude one twenty. But you, beloved, building yourself upon your most, you have to build yourself upon your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. This is other than hearing. Well, let me, let me put across. I'm putting, I'm not teaching this as a doctrine, but I do believe it is true. Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. Firstborn of the new creation. So he is our prototype in the new covenant. And Jesus said, these signs shall follow those who believe. If you believe and be baptized. That's the first thing. These signs shall follow. What is the first thing? You shall cast out demons. And then you shall speak in other tongues. So he is the first prototype. So first you will see in his ministry, he is the first one who steps out and starts casting out demons. Right? So do you believe he spoke in tongues? Yes, he did. He did. But you would not mention because he is the only one speaking in tongues. That's why he's always looking for a solitary praise to pray. That's why he could face any situation with absolute solid, rock solid faith because he was praying in the spirit. How do you think he spent the entire night till morning praying? Because you can only pray this much with understanding. How long can you pray with understanding? Do you know you can pray in the spirit for as long as you want? 
It is true. Go to Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter fourteen, verse two, verse four. I didn't give it. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Mysteries to whom? Not to God, to you. So you are all, we are all facing, everyone including me, everyone is facing situations which we don't understand. We don't know what is the solution. We don't know what is the end of it. We don't know how to tackle it. God says, do you know how to handle it? He says, pray in the spirit so that you have the faith each day to be victorious. You want that kind of faith to be victorious in your crisis. He says, there is one way to build your faith. One way to build your faith. That is praying in the spirit. Now a lot of people will disagree and say that cease. No, it did not cease. Did not cease. What do you do? Words four. Yeah. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies. Now I am preaching forth in many ways, prophesying the word of God. I am edifying. If I pray in tongues, I'm not edifying you. I'm only edifying myself. I'm only edifying myself. I'm not edifying you. I'm edifying myself. Edifies means to build up. To strengthen a structure. Edifies is from, edify is from where you get an edifice. Edifice means we are sitting in an edifice, a structure. He who prays. Come to verse 14 and 15 and then 18. Look at what. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is also, when Paul prayed in the spirit, he did not understand what he was praying. But he prayed. Oh, I don't understand. So you need to realize, there are things of faith which the mind does not understand. So when God says something like that, you receive it by faith. And you exercise it by faith. Oh, I don't understand. No, you don't have to understand. By faith we understand. So by faith you exercise this. I'm telling you honestly. I, he will say, what is the conclusion then? Will I pray with the spirit? I will also pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit. I will also sing with understanding. Go to verse 18. Look at what he says. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. That's why you could handle pressure more than them all. So God has given us ways by which we can build our most holy faith. Because it is the faith of God. A simple question let me ask you is that how many of you, most of you have that gift? How many of you really use it? Now, you being given money and you go hungry, who is going to sympathize with you? I'm so hungry. I didn't eat for two days. What happened? You have no money. No, I have money. And why didn't you go eat? God says, faith is the victory. And God has shown us a way you can really, really build up your faith. Because trials will come, testings will come, evil day will come, all these things the enemy will bring. And in the new covenant, God has given us something. The question is, do you exercise it? Because among many gifts of the Holy Spirit, this is one gift for yourself. Indulge in it. When you are alone, indulge in it all the time. Because you know what? You don't know when the day of evil will come. But when it comes, you should be prepared that you are standing and not fallen down. 
So God has shown us what is faith. What does faith do? He's shown us ways by which we can acquire and build our faith. Primary way, it's always hearing the word of God and it brings structure. What God has said and you believe more and more in him. You understand the kindness of God. You understand the severity of God. You understand both by faith you receive it all. God is he who he says he is. You do do this thing. These laws of mine will work for you. You will be blessed when you go out. You will be blessed when you come in. You will be the head. You will know all that laws. This thing. But if you don't do this, this another set of laws that will start, gravity will start pulling you down. Then pe- people will be looking around for your black box to see how did you crash. <laughs> so these things are written over there. So you look at it, you don't look at one side. Well, God is good all the time. He's good even when he judges you, he's still good. He doesn't change. I was using that example, right? You go to a court, you've been caught as a, as a criminal. The evidence is all against you. You've been sentenced to six years imprisonment. Do you say the judge is evil? No, you are evil. The judgment was right. So even when the judge is making the judgment, all the victims will say, good judge. Good judge. That's what Moses is saying at the end of his life. Ascribe greatness to our God. All his ways are righteous. So God is good all the time. But don't take it and run away with it. Look at both sides of God. God is kind. God is severe. By faith you receive it both. By faith you receive it by faith. And then you look into faith and see, how do I get out of that severity and remain in his kindness? And God says, it's one way. Keep turning. Isn't it his kindness that causes us to repentance? If you keep on turning, you can always remain in his kindness. You see, the prodigal son's father was always kind. That fellow had to turn before he could experience it. Father never changed. When he asked for the money, father was kind. When he took it and left, father was kind. When he wasted it, father was kind. When he came back, father was kind. Father was always kind. The problem was the fellow to turn it, enjoy it, he had to turn. God is good? All the time. All the time? God is good. So we need to understand, Lord, this so, Lord, this is where, like that's what I said, faith is life. In life there are laws. There are laws in life. Even you walk by sight, every area of sight, there, even if you want to learn a language, there are laws. That's why we Telugus and Malus all struggle with English because our grammar is perfect. English is confusing. 26 alphabet, 44 sounds. How do you reconcile this? So my mother who's boy one who's ill over there, I'm sitting in the kitchen and reading as a class one boy, I-S-L-A-N-D is land. She will say, what are you saying? Because that is how we would. So there are laws in everything. So God says, look by faith. You need to ask, what are the laws of faith? How does faith operate? You go through the life of Jesus Christ, you will realize, boy, this is God in flesh who walked by faith. Not because he was God in flesh, but because he became man and showed us how to walk by faith. I gave you an example two weeks back, right? How do you go to sleep? 
by faith. See, Bible talks brings faith. If a man doubts while he is eating, he is condemned. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. So God brings eating into faith. Drinking into faith. Dressing into faith. Working into faith. Sleeping into faith. Waking up into faith. Everything which is in sight is brought into faith. Everything is brought into faith. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus woken up early in the morning, met his father because he's an itinerant preacher, heard his days scheduled from his father and is going according to the schedule. He's very tired and father has told, go to the other side. Other side is a demonic fellow. Go to the other side. He gets in the boat, goes to the bottom and he goes to sleep. Sleep of absolute faith and rest. And that's a stop. Everybody panics. But when he wakes up, he wakes up in faith, the way he went to sleep. That is why these principles are important. Because if you go to sleep anxious, you will wake up anxious. If you go to sleep worrying, you will wake up worrying. If you go to sleep in faith, you will wake up in faith. And then when the storm hits, nobody has to tell you what to do. While all the others are accusing and blaming, don't you care? He says, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? If you go to bed afraid, you will wake up afraid. So God says, bring faith into everything. Bring faith into everything. Because he says there's only one kind of life. And it is, I'm not saying it is easy. It is a fight. If you go to First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. 6 and verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. First of all, that is the only fight we are called to fight. And it is a very good fight. We pick up all the bad fights. Bad fights. And we ignore the good fight. God says, fight the good fight of faith. When you fight the good fight of faith, what are you laying hold of? That's God's life. Eternal life is not to live forever and ever because in hell also people are living forever and ever. No, this is eternal life that you may know God and His Son, Jesus Christ, their life. He says, if you fight the good fight of faith, what you lay hold on is His life. And you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So with this fight, the first thing that is brought in is confession. Because when the fight begins and starts getting difficult, our confession changes. Our confession. What is the first evidence of faith? Is your words. There was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. She had gone to many physicians and she became worse and she lost her money. Then she heard and she said to the first sign of it's always your words, in your mind and your words. Faith or sight. First sign is always words. It is either here or here. Next year, this time, your wife will have a child and Sarah laughed in her mind. And God said, what did you laugh? She said, I didn't. He said, you did. I heard you laugh. See, to the unseen, the unseen is visible. <laughs> you can't, you, everything is naked before him, is what the Bible says. Everything is open before him. 
Okay, so the first, always first manifestation of faith is what? Our words. Either words you speak to yourself or you speak to others. When he came to his senses, first step of faith, he said to himself. Said to himself. Okay? When you hear from God and then you see something contrary, if you speak to the contrary, your faith is gone. Jesus, Lazarus whom you love, is sick. He didn't go for two days. And they asked him, he said, this is for God's glory. You go through that whole thing. You will never see a negative confession from his mouth. You go through, you go through Jesus conversations where it's good to have a red letter Bible. Because you hear what he has said. This is his reality. This is what he says. This is the reality. This is what he says. Lazarus is dead. He said, it's good. He's asleep. We will go wake him up. Why is he able to say that? Because he has heard. He has heard. He has heard. Because the first manifestation of your faith is your confession. That's why I said when you read through the word of God, there are so many things written as done. Why do you undo it with your words? What God says is done. We are busy undoing it. We made these mistakes for years together, then slowly learned. You realize, you know what? Every blessing of the Lord I receive and it leaks from my mouth. <laughs> Hebrews 3, 1, 4.14 and 10.23 Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our, not his confession, our confession. We confessed Christ. Philip, priest, Christ. So what do we confess? We confess Christ. See, I can confess myself. Or I can confess Christ. If I confess myself to a level, victory, after that, defeat. The end of flesh. If I confess Christ, Christ cannot be defeated. How can Christ be defeated? High priest of our confession... Christ Jesus. Next verse, 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our... Don't, like I keep saying, you know, you believed, you confessed Jesus as your Lord that he raised from the dead, you got baptized, when you were baptizing, if it was us, we asked you covenant questions, in front of witnesses, you confessed, you got baptized. After that, when things go, don't change your confession. I don't think I am saved. I don't feel like reading the Bible. You got saved by reading the Bible or what? <laughs> that is what saved people do. Don't change your confession. Consistently confess that you know what? I was saved by the blood of Jesus. I believed in the Son of God. I believed He rose. You know what? Your faith starts growing. Don't change your confession about anything that God has spoken to you. Because by change, because this is the first evidence of your faith, what you're hoping for. First evidence of faith is your confession. Hold fast our confession. From 
salvation to rapture. It's a confession. It's a confession. Go to the next one, 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Because everything will come for wavering to change your country. What is the devil trying to do? Devil is not trying to do anything except change your confession. Once your confession has changed, you have gone down. Slide started. That's what he's trying to do. He creates all, see, everybody was so excited, healing and this thing and all. Then they go to the boat, they're all talking, wow, what miracle today, Yara. And then the storm came and the confession changed. Everybody's excitement is gone and now they are blaming him. Don't you care? Out of the mouths and everything. He says, don't hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Not because your confession will change anything, but the one who promised is faithful. Don't forget this. Who promised He has given exceedingly precious promises. One, he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Temporal life, godliness, eternal. Temporal and eternal, he has given us everything. You partake of it by his exceedingly grateful. Therefore, you don't change your profession because the one who promised these promises is faithful. That is why you have to look for promises. I have this hope. Good. Do you have a promise? Do you have a promise? Like today there was a prayer request. I want to be head and not the tail. It's a promise. In the Bible. In Deuteronomy 28. You shall be the head and not the tail. But in the new covenant it doesn't work the way it works in the old covenant. In the new covenant you become a spiritual influence. Joseph was still a slave in Potiphar's house. But he was the influence. He was still a prisoner, but he was the influence. In the prison, he was the head. In Potiphar's house, he was the head. Spiritual head, he was. In Egypt, the Pharaoh was there, but he was the head. Pharaoh is not bothering. He is having a long vacation. Joseph is running everything. Why? He is the head. So before you hope for something, and you hope for something, you need to have a promise. If it is healing, you are hoping for the F substance of it is faith. What is your promise you are holding on to? This is the most common thing is physical affliction. But if you meet Christians, they don't know the promises of God connected with healing only. Then how do you expect it to come to pass? Because the devil will come. Daily he will come. That is his job. He's very good at his job. Every day he gets best employee award. Look at Ephesians 6.16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You heard it. You have, that's why the Paul, Peter also, you have to keep on hearing this over and over again. Your first line of defense is your shield, not your armor. Body armor is here, the shield is here. This is your first line. Sword is not for uh, defense. It is offense. Don't get into offense before you defend. On the In the wilderness where Jesus was tempted, he was not on the defense. Offense. He did not fight the devil. He just defended himself. People think it was the sword of the spirit. No, it was a shield of faith. If you are, he said, this is what is written. Boom. 
fiery.com. Second one, if you are, boom. This is the shield. They quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. The fiery darts of the wicked ones. Where does he attack? He is, what is he? The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. He cannot kill or destroy unless he has stolen. You know what he steals? Your faith. Because faith is your victory. He cannot kill or destroy unless he has stolen your faith. So he is not out here for your health or wealth or anything. No, if you don't walk by faith, he will give you health and wealth also. He is not after these things. He is after your faith because he knows faith is your victory. And if faith is your victory, who is defeated? He is defeated. That's why Paul is telling Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And partake of the life of God. So that is your victory. And he is defeated. But he comes with his fiery darts. And what is the first line of defense? It is faith. It is faith. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing the word of God. You know what is the greatest enemy of faith which the enemy uses? Biggest killer? Is ignorance. My people are destroyed. They don't know who God is. They don't know what he has done. They don't know what is given. They don't know everything that is given you have to fight for. They don't know how to fight. They don't have the promises to back them up. The land is given, but you have to fight for it. Everything you need for life and godliness is given. Every blessing you need to be successful is already given. But learn how to get it. Fight. Fight. So what does he do? He keeps us literate in everything. Sports, movies, everything. We are super smart. But keeps us ignorant in the ways of God. Ultimately, when our life runs out in eternity, we are termed failures. Not because God wasn't there for us or with us. Because we didn't believe. We didn't believe. So he's telling a simple thing to Joshua. Joshua, I'm giving you a life principle. If you want to be prosperous and successful now and forever. That's a principle. Think on my word. Don't let it depart from your mouth. When you speak, speak what my word says. Not what you think, what you feel, what the devil tells, what others says. All those things. Not that. And be faithful to do it. All these three. There are people who meditate and do, but they never say. There are people who meditate and say, never do. Then there are people who neither meditate, say or do. But life is not a vacuum. If you are not meditating upon the word of God, you are meditating on something else. If you are not saying according to the word of God, then you are saying according to something else. If you are not doing according to the word of God, then you are doing something else. You cannot remain unless you are mentally retarded. Which you are not. So either way, the law of God established in the beginning is working. You are all, we are all sowing. If you are not sowing in the spirit, we are sowing in the flesh. No, I will not sow. Even if you sleep, you are sowing. That's why I say to a sluggard, get up. You are sowing in your bed. You cannot help but sow. This Lord, no man can escape. 
You cannot escape this law. So God says you cannot escape this law because I have set this law right in the beginning. Understand the principles of which my creation works. This is the law of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. He who sows in the spirit shall reap eternal life, everlasting life. So God says, get these principles very, very clearly. Very, very clearly. Absolutely, totally, clearly. Therefore, God says, first deal with ignorance. You need to know. That's why, you know, biblical knowledge is not the knowledge of God. Please don't misunderstand. You may know your Bible and not know the God of the Bible. The Pharisees knew their Bible very well. And he told them, you err because you do not know scripture or the power of God. And just this humiliation for them, this man, this Nazareth carpenter coming and telling all the seminary professors, you don't know the Bible. Biblical knowledge is not equal to knowing God. Your experiences also is not equal to knowing God. Because if you really know God, your experience should be replicated. Are you getting it? You got it? Second time, Henny was uh, fed the 4,000. First was 5,000. Next was uh, 4,000. And third time, when they were going in the bed, he said, beware of the living of the Pharisees. Immediately they said, oh, he's upset because we didn't take bread. He said, I give you a math lesson. When I had five loaves, how many did I feed? They said, five. When I had four loaves, how many did I feed? No, seven loaves, how did I feed? They said, 4,000. Don't you still understand? They're looking at six. They don't understand. We don't understand math. Somebody gave me a very good math lesson because we have time. Let me entertain with some math. Only not Pastor Vijay. I also know math. Until class 12 math I know. Okay? Two men and a third hungry man comes. Hungry man is very rich, but they don't know. He's very hungry. So he tells the two men, I am very hungry. Feed me something. So one man brings him five rotis. Another man brings three rotis. There are three people all together, eight rotis. He said, let us divide. So they divided into three pieces, each roti. So they all had eight threes are 24 pieces. Each had eight pieces. They all ate. Then when he left, one person is there who knows, keep your mouth shut, okay? I asked that last night. So don't give the answer, okay? So he gave, when he left, so each ate eight pieces, right? When he left, he had eight pieces of gold and he gave it to the man says, you share, you take five, you take three because you gave me five rotis and you gave me three rotis. And after he left, they started fighting. The man said, three, he said, it's not fair. You should give me two. So we will have five. Finally, to reach the court. When they reached the court, the judge listened to it very carefully. The one who sent me this already prophesied you will use in the sermon. So he must be laughing there, okay, in the US. The judge said, to the one who gave three, give him one piece. The one who gave five, give him seven piece. And everybody was shocked. But the judge was just. So we do we understand? Jesus asked, do you understand? When I had five loves, I fed how many? Five thousand. When I had seven, okay? So you will be wondering the other Matthew might is. <laughs> okay, let us look at this way. Why was the judge judge? Fair. The man who brought five 
bread, um, roti. And the man who brought three roti. Each was divided into how many pieces? Three pieces. So one man had 15 pieces. The other man had nine pieces. So out of 15, he gave seven. Eight, actually. He Out of 15, he gave seven. Out of nine, he gave only one. So the judge said, let him take seven and you take one. Because actually you ate seven pieces and gave only one. So don't ever think, even in the kingdom, giving is evaluated the same way. It doesn't look the same. So Jesus is teaching math to them and says, you had five. I fed five thousand. You had seven. I could only feed four thousand. Did you understand how faith works? Because if you don't understand faith, we will go by the math of the world. Oh, I have seven. I can feed 7,000. Because when I had five, I could feed. God says, no, it doesn't work that way. The more you have, the less I can do. The less you have, more I can do. That is the law of math. Therefore, you consciously choose every day to become poor so that he can make you rich in faith. Otherwise, the kingdom won't work in you. Your kingdom will work. That is a simple math of kingdom. The kingdom of God, math does not work like the kingdom of this world. Because in the kingdom of this world, the more you have, the more you can do. God says, no, the less you have, the more I can do through you. So he was waiting for 40 years to empty a man in the desert who was full of the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds. God says, I can do nothing with this man. I have to empty him. It took him 40 years to empty him. And then when God came at him, he was a poor man. He says, I have nothing. This is Zipporah's. This is Jethro's. And I can't even speak. And God says, you are ready. I was waiting for this day. Now we are ready. Because from his confession, you realize this man is poor. And God says, that's the kind of people. But problem is all our confessions are rich confessions. And we think God would be impressed by our resume. God says, I'm not impressed at all. I'm looking for somebody who's poor. Somebody. That's what the Bible says. He has taken the foolish things of this world. This world looks at you as foolish. To confound the wise. Confound the wise. These are, let us, before we close. I want, this is, there are chapters which I love in the Bible. You read it over and over. Go to First Samuel chapter 17. Okay, First Samuel chapter 17. Verse 23. First Samuel 17, verse 23. Got it? Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. So he spoke according to the same words. He has been saying this for 40 days. Even Goliath is tired repeating the same words. (laughs) Same words. And the Bible says, so David heard them. David is not bored because he's hearing it for the first time. He heard. Same thing can happen to us. We keep hearing the word over and over and over. There is no response from us. Then some new believer just walked into church that day and hearing it for the first time. And the Bible says, response of the people, all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. First time David speaks is in verse 26. What is written? Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? First time 
He is in the same battlefield, facing the same situation. And he is not a soldier. The others are. When he opens his mouth, he speaks according to what he believes. He does not speak according to what he sees. His faith in his God. And he believes this man has insult. So you are saying, there is Joshua, 40 years. There are other judges. So many judges have come and gone. Another 450, 500 years. Then there is the reign of Samuel. And after that is the reign of Saul. Samuel the prophet. So almost 600 years have passed. But the promises of God are forever to every generation. If you have doubts, go to Acts chapter 2, read 20, 38 and 39. 30. This is how you need to hold on to the promises of God. Okay? And, yeah, 2, 38, 39. For the promise, yeah, that's enough. For the promise is to you, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a promise to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as our God will call. Over this I have no sovereignty. That's God's sovereignty. But over this I have an initiative. Therefore I pray over my children and the grandchild, even though it is far away. Lord, this promise is to me and to my children and the children who are far off and to the generations to come. Because this is your promise. You see, when you read the word of God, faith should come for the generations that is come to pass. So he's telling Joshua, every place the sole of your foot treads, I give it to you. No man will be able to stand you all the days of your life. All you have to do is stick to my principles. Meditate, speak, do. Think, speak, do. This is your foundation. 600 years later, there is chaos in Israel. A giant nine feet tall comes and challenges for 40 days. There is no answer. And there is a man who comes standing on the same promise. Every place is all of your foot. Because this is a promise to every Israelite for every generation. Because Joshua is a type. So when God says it is finished in Jesus, you have to believe it is finished for me too. I am not fighting for victory. I am fighting from victory. That's why God says you are more than conquerors. And it will reflect in what we believe and what we say. So when he sees the situation, what he says is different. He says, how did he reproach the armies of the living God? See, when he speaks, everybody is hearing. One set is afraid, one set is fleeing. But he doesn't flee. He doesn't flee. What he speaks is according to what he believes and what he says. And that's what he says. And then he asks, what will the king do? I will go fight. What will the king give to the man? And go to verse 28. You have to understand fundamental principles over there. Yeah, seventy first Samuel seventeen twenty eight. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David and he said, Why did you come down here? With whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You need to realize this is a spiritual battle. Because when you are ready to fight the devil, the devil will agitate somebody else to create doubt and confusion and distraction in you. Jairus the ruler comes and falls before Jesus and says, Lord, come. His words are words of fact and faith. My little child is dying, but if you come, lay hands upon her, she will live. He accepted a fact, a medical fact, but he said, if you intervene, she will live. And Jesus said, let's go. 
And as she is going, there is this woman. She also is acting on faith, but because she has an issue, she doesn't want to make it public. She comes from behind and she touches him. Virtue flows in. Jesus stops and asks, who touched me? They all say, everybody is touching you, but nobody is experiencing anything new because she is touching by faith. And then she comes forward and gives her testimony. When she gives her testimony, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. You see, when a testimony is given, everybody's faith is pumped up. Even Jesus' faith will be pumped up because thank you, Lord, without, because he's like the heart of Moses. Remember, everybody he wants to bless. He says, thank you, Father, without me knowing you bless this child and honor her faith. So everybody's faith is pumped up. And then a man comes and says, don't trouble the master. Your daughter is dead. Here is a man who stands up there to fight and says, you know what? Who is the answer? Immediately the brother says, you insolent, proud fellow, you left that few sheep and you have come here to speak the spectacle. The same thing, this man comes and says, don't trouble the master, your daughter is dead. Jesus said, don't fear, only believe. Don't fear. When you are going through crisis, you will hear different reports. They may be factually true, but this is not the truth. Truth is what God has said. What is the promise you are standing on? What is the promise you are standing on? Jesus said, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Can you stand on that word alone? Only believe. Lord, I want to be at the end of my life, written on my tombstone. He only believed. He only believed. Jesus says, only believe. And that's what Eliab is coming and he's saying, and you look at David's response. It's a very wise response of faith for a very young child. Jesus, David, verse 29, what I have done now, is there not a cause? And he turned from him towards another. Be very, very aware of the wiles of the devil. When you are fighting your battle of faith, to lay hold of eternal life. These voices from flesh and blood very close to you will come and speak to you to distract you from your purpose. Don't get distracted. Don't pick up the wrong fights. You are called to fight the good fight of fight. He would forget that fight and start fighting with Eliab. So he turned away and says, isn't there a cause? It doesn't engage in a conversation. Walks away. A lot of people have forgotten to walk away. They get engaged in conversations and fights and by the time their conversation and fights are over, the other fight is forgotten. And your moment has passed. Moment has passed. If I'm right, five times David opens his mouth. Every time he speaks, it is a word of faith. Every time somebody speaks to him, these are words of doubt and unbelief. His brother says, you're an insolent fellow. He doesn't listen. He turns away. He comes to the king and says, I will fight. The king looks at him and says, you are a youth. He's a fighter from his days. He's a mighty man. So king is also pouring cold water. He says, my lord, I have a testimony. Testimony with a bear and with a lion. You go through that portion, mark everything David said and did, and you will realize, whoo, this is a man of faith. Thank God he didn't go to school. Otherwise he would have lost his faith. His brothers went to school and lost their faith. He stayed in the wilderness and was full of faith. 
Some of the greatest men God have used in the past centuries were school dropouts. The grammar was terrible. Like Moody said, grammar or no grammar, I preach Christ. (laughs) I will hammer. (laughs) Think about it. What I'm asking you is, yes, you go to school, you go to college, you go to work. Is it strengthening your faith? Are you taking faith into your workplaces? Do you believe what God has said? Do you believe? Do you believe? If God has told you something, you need to believe. All your circumstances will look contrary. But if God, if I'm telling you, because a lot of you are young, you haven't even started your journey. You are so young. I'll tell you something that happened as I close. Many years ago. I'm not mentioning names and places, but it's not dangerous to speak when you are live. When I had to go to this country where Christianity was at that time banned and the church was underground, they had told me, would you please come and help out? The only way I could go stay there was working. And I had my resume. So previous visit I had gone for one week. I just gave my resume. A resume is just one page. I only write what I passed, what is the rank, nothing embellishing, nothing there. That's all my resume. Class 10, class 12, undergraduation, PG, post-PG, this is my, this thing, and I just gave it to somebody. By the time I came back home, the call is coming. Will you come, 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 will you come? And I'm saying, I can't come, I can't come, I can't come, because the time hasn't come. There are some things to be fitted in before a guy, God will release me to go. And then one day, that was happened, and I went. The thing is that the college is on the other side of the remote, in a remote place. But all the places I have to minister is on this side of the river, far away. Everybody is staying there. All the teachers, Indian teachers, college lecturers, everybody is staying there. And I am, I don't want to stay there. And I cannot tell them what I have come here for. I can't even tell them what I have come here for. So they are all saying, sir, sir, come and share our quarters. You won't find city. It is impossible to find, sir. Rents are high. Nothing is possible. You won't get. Why don't you stay here? I said, no, I want to stay in the city. They don't know I have a promise to hold on to. He said, I'm sending you. And you have to stay here. And I will take you to all the churches. And you need to minister over here. One week, two weeks, three weeks. Time is passing by. I'm refused to budge. Do you know where I'm staying? I'm staying with a pastor of an underground church who is a taxi driver. He's got a small room above his kitchen and I'm staying there. His wife will give me some food to eat, but I will refuse to budge. They will say, He will drop me in the morning in front of the college and then he goes for his rides. Evening I will walk back or take a cab and go. And I'm staying there. Every day staff from discussion is, sir, will you come, sir, you will not get. Every word you hear is unbelief, doubt, impossible, impossible, impossible. I said, Lord, I need three things. One, I need a house in the city. Two, I need gas, impossible. When you are asking God, don't ask for tidbits, ask for the impossible. Impossible those days to get a gas connection. Third, I want a telephone. We are talking about 20, 25 years ago. Impossible to get a telephone. There is no mobile, nothing. I said, I need three things. I need a house. I need gas. 
because I will only cook. I will not eat from outside. And I will need telephone. Three weeks later, somebody says in the staff room, there is one teacher on the middle of the city. He is looking for somebody who will stay with him. Then like Ziva's report. Yes, there is somebody from Saul's house, but he is lame. Man says, but nobody can stay with him. Everybody who has stayed with him has left after two weeks. So I said, it's fine. I'll meet him. I met him and he was very happy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Please come. So I got a house. One room is mine. Other room is his. So I got a house right in the middle of the city. This man will make every account. Use two minute gas, he will write also and calculate also. I am least bothered about all that. Okay. And he had a telephone line too. So I was, Lord, thank you. He said, everything that is mine, I will pay you, don't worry. So first month I stayed with him. He's saying, sir, what is wrong with you? Your telephone bill is like a newspaper. I said, I haven't come here to make money. I have come here for some other purpose. You don't have to know. One month later, you won't believe me. He resigned and he left. Now I had a house, had gas, and had telephone. You don't move. You know you have heard. And you know you have heard from God. It doesn't matter how contrary the situation looks. How many, not one positive voice I heard you will get it. Not one person. Even in the church they said it's impossible. But the problem is God said it is possible. So the question is whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? You have to bring faith into all this situation. Because a couple of years later, by the time I left, every church, it is not like Hyderabad, okay? Go to that country, I promise you. Go to every village and town where it's a church or a Christian, they know me. They haven't seen me. But they know me. Because when God sends you on purpose, you leave a testimony behind which is his testimony. Okay. And when God sends you, you expect him to do all the other things also. And when things don't happen, don't budge under pressure and say, okay, I will move in. No. My whole purpose would have gone. Nothing would have worked. Nothing would have worked. Because that's why I said, you need to know what is your purpose? What is that God wants you to do? Lord, you should ask this question. Lord, now you gave me salvation. What is your purpose? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Even as I continue this thing, Lord, like I said, if you ask the right questions, you will get the right answers. Our problems are all, our questions are wrong. Lord, you are doing nothing for me. He said, you never asked me what I want to do for you. Ask the right questions. Because this is a walk of faith. It's a life of faith. And faith comes from hearing from thee. And the word of God is Christ. The word of God. You have to hear Christ. Read the gospels. If you don't have, get a red Bible. Go through that and listen to his words. Look at situations and look at what he says. This is how your faith goes up. And because we are called to imitate his life. He came in the flesh to show a way of life. His own spirit has birthed us. You look at in this situation, what did he say? In this situation, what did he say? In this situation, what did he say? What did he do? What did he say? What did he do? You get the principle of it. 
Forget the principle of faith. You start getting, you start believing. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. As I go in life, I'm going to face, because all our experiences can be put in big groups. And you will realize, Jesus went through it all. And faith was victory for him. You will go through lack. What did you do during lack? You will go through a storm. What did you do through the storm? I always tell you, he always addressed the unseen and not the seen first. We always address the seen. He never. When the storm was came, Bible says he rebuked the wind. Can you see the wind? No. But he spoke to the seas. Instead, we rebuke the seen. That is our wives and husbands. And we leave the devil alone, the unseen. He never did that. He spoke gently to the scene and rebuked the unseen. You understand these principles. Because I look at these words which he uses. The Bible says he rebuked the fever. Oh, so fever can hear. Wind can hear. I'm telling you one of the most startling things when we re- reached into eternity into God's there is that everything that God has created has a life of its own. Not our kind of life. Everything has a life of its own. They have ears to hear. Otherwise, how can you speak to a tree and the tree hear and die? What kind of ears did the tree have? He says, if you don't praise, who will praise? How can rocks praise? But rocks can praise and God can hear. Understand power of your confession and your words. And we have lost so much because of our words. Now God says today, start changing. That's why you heard last Sunday the first lesson Joshua tells the new generation. Zip your lip. Don't say anything. For seven days, don't say anything. The first thing to learn is first what to say, what not to say. You haven't learned yet, so six, seven days, six days, be quiet. On the sixth day, last time, I will tell you to shout. Remember, when we started worship, church, praise the Lord. Everybody followed Joshua's advice. Everybody kept silent. You were supposed to shout back, hallelujah. Because you didn't shout, walls didn't come down. First defeat. Joshua's confession changed. I know, why did you bring us here? What happened to this fellow? Did you see the first sign of defeat? What is expressed? Unbelief. First thing that happens, he opens his mouth, goes before God, and he blotters everything out. It was better to have been lived there and died there. And God says, get up and remove the problem in your midst. Your victory will continue. If you have lost, that means either you turn to the right or you turn to the left. Just check whether you turn to the right, became legalistic, or turn to the left and became lawless. I told you to stand on the middle road. As long as you walk this way, you cannot be defeated by the devil. So if you are defeated, either you turn to this side or to that side. What did you disobey? It's as simple as that. Unless you believe that, that victory is my default setting and not defeat. 
You have to re-change your thinking. You know my God is good. That's my default setting. My God is good. Always good. Second, victory is my default setting and not defeat. So if I'm defeated, I'm not going to say, I'm going to go and ask, why am I defeated? I will not accept defeat as a status quo. Why? Because it is written, faith is your victory. So if I have lost, I have stepped from back from faith. Therefore, I need to go back and ask God, what is that I didn't hear? Or did I hear wrong? Hear wrong. Because if you don't hear properly, only hear half, you can be defeated. Jacob, arise. That's where we began, right? Arise. Arise. I am the God of? God of? Bethel. Go back. Who is that? So you all have to go back to the land of your fathers and have identified you, me, from a particular place in that land. So where should you go back? Bethel. Did you go back to Bethel? No. You went to? She came. And what did you lose? Your daughter and three boys who wiped their hands in blood. You know why? You heard, but you didn't hear clearly. Now arise and go back to Bethel. See, God is a God always of victory. If there is defeat, I didn't hear properly. Or I didn't listen carefully. So never appropriate blame to God because he's always good and he always wants to take us in victory. Isn't that what is written by Paul? He takes us in triumph in every place and all time in Christ. So if I'm defeated, I stepped out of Christ. I stepped out of Christ. Because if I am defeated, Christ can never be defeated is my fact and my truth on which you love. Christ cannot be defeated. He was never defeated. He can never be defeated. So if I am defeated, I stepped out of Christ. I got defeated. Christ is still not defeated. I will glorify Christ. I failed. He never did. Never did. This is how you look at faith. Don't let your physical realities determine your confession or your your reality. That's not your reality. That's why you need easy, a red letter Bible. Today's homework for the next week. Go back. And light of what you have heard, go listen to what Jesus said in every situation. You will be shocked. You will be shocked. Every situation what he speaks is according to what he believes. And what he believes is what his father is. Because he said, I have come to reveal the father. And we are here to reveal Christ. Amen. He came to reveal the father. We are here to reveal Christ. That is the walk of faith. At the end of our walk, if we haven't revealed Christ, we have failed. It's not what we did or what we achieved. Did we reveal Christ? Philip had an enormous result in a Gentile town because he preached Christ. He preached Christ. This afternoon, shall we stand up? Shall we stand up? And shall we look to the Lord? And we shall speak what he speaks. Believe what he says. Okay? But let it not be just temporal. Worry less about that. Don't worry, first of all. Think less about the temporal. Put your mind on the eternal. Put your mind on the eternal. The things that we see are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. Otherwise the devil will bog you down with the temporal over which he has control. So that ultimately you miss your eternal. Seek ye first. 
Let's commit ourselves. Father, this afternoon I just come to you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. As a church, we stand here in your presence. We not only say, from our heart we believe and say, you are good. And you are always good. You are great. You are righteous. You are just. You never tempt us with evil. All things are possible with you. Now I pray, Father, teach us to believe in you more and more. More and more. Help us to believe every word that they have spoken. For God is not a man that he should lie. You will never lie. You have never lied. You cannot lie. Therefore, the word that you have given us, that we carry with us all our life, is full of truth. The truth that can actually set us free. So when we meditate upon your word, think, help us to think on your truth. And believe that you will give us the power, the grace to obey. And we will see, as you promised, Greater works than this you shall do. I believe for everyone. Everyone who believes the Lord. I believe you will work great and mighty things. That our faith may be even more strengthened. I pray for the young and the old. They will live lives of purpose. God given purpose. And those who have been Baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. I pray, Lord, starting today, they should be able to say that I speak in tongues more than anything else. So they may edify themselves. They may strengthen themselves, build themselves in their most holy faith that they are well prepared when that day comes. Like you were prepared. You went to sleep in calm, but you woke up in a storm. But your instant response was, a command of faith. And I pray, Father, everyone here, Lord, will fortify themselves with what you have given. In faith, building themselves up. So that each day when they go to school, to college, to their workplace, their homes, wherever the battle is, the good battle of faith, when they open their mouth and they speak, it will not be ignorance. It will be the knowledge of the true God. It won't be doubt. But it will be belief. It will not be fear. It will be faith. It will not be worry and anxiety. But strong confidence in the Lord or Master. Oh Father. May grace be poured upon our lips. Oh Lord. Touch. Touch. Touch Lord. Touch everyone. Above all Father. I pray for the little ones. The young ones. A young generation that is growing in our midst, Lord, touch them. Guard their hearts and their minds. Let nothing that is evil, that is of unbelief, enter into their hearts. Let them love you with all their heart. Let their heart and mind be stayed on you, Lord. Let this be the generation about whom Daniel prophesied. They who know their Lord shall do great exploits. Father, I believe for the young ones, Lord. Let them grow untouched and uncontaminated by the world. A heart full of faith, O Lord. And pure, innocent love for their heavenly Father, O Lord. Hear everywhere where they are listening, Father. O Father, thank you. 
I speak your healing into every sick body. Standing on your word that you bore our infirmities and diseases upon yourself. And what you released, what was that woman experience? Your healing virtue. And I pray that healing virtue will flow, Father. Oh, Father, your strength, your healing, your riches. As your word says, O oh Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Yes, Lord, I pray, Father. We do not change our confession, but we will stand on what you have done. And we will speak what you have done, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Bless your people in your name. May the hand of God be there upon them. May your presence go with them and go before them, Lord. In all their ways, our ways, God us and keep them. Lord, and help us, O oh Lord, as you said, taught us to pray, lead us not in temptation, deliver us from the evil one, that we do not stumble by word or by foot, but learn to walk by faith. Thank you, thank you, Lord. May you receive the glory, the honor, and the power, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.